personally wow. personally i think that before even charging you should actually know what value you bring to your clients like what is the end goal like now maybe this video production thing are these clients using it to maybe land an investor that could bring in millions so why not charge higher because i remember one time i did branding for a, a startup company and i charged the guy just kind of low because it was my first client actually and then the next two months i came on his page and He's posting about how he made this about a sales. So he made sales um, of, I think, half a million dollars or something. So I'm like, wow, if this guy could do this, so why didn't I maybe charge him higher? He gets. Well, you can't, you can't think of it in that way because this is Nigeria. We don't pay for the future now. Okay, so if you're, if you're abroad and you have a client and you have a job, some clients would. You, you can, um, if you are not in Nigeria, some clients will be like, oh, we can't afford to pay you because you know this is a big job. So we'll give you part of the profit. Or if it, if it pans out, we'll give you a percent. If it doesn't pan out, I'm sure you've heard of some, some people who invested their expertise or skill set in a company without charging them a fee and yeah. later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here in Nigeria, you can't do that. Even if, even if someone did branding for a company and then they fought they they outsource um, they got a branding job from a big company then outsourced it to a little person and the little person maybe charged them one fifty and they did their magic added some little sauce and sent it over to the bigger company that really wanted the, the branding and they charged the company two million dollars uh. will you go back <laughs> and tell them no we know they do it. Definitely. <laughs> we know. We know. Definitely. So that person, if they now see their work finally in its final state, and they're like, wow, so I was paid 150K. And this is where it ended up. That person will not be happy. A lot of creatives, I'm sure they've seen their work somewhere else and they are not happy. But in Nigeria, that's why you build what makes you happy build reasonably and what will make you happy so if you see it anywhere else you won't be really bothered because you're like oh okay i got what was good enough for me at that point and you just close your eyes to it. because of course those some companies subcontract jobs out and you can't tell them you can't subcontract jobs out so if you ask for what is reasonable to you and what makes sense to you and they pay you it's all good because really, if, if they didn't give you that job, it's not like that large conglomerate or multinational would have come to you directly. They don't know you. They don't know you. They don't know you. <laughs> Even if you're on Instagram, they don't know you. And that company subcontracted it to you. So guess what makes you happy? And then just let it go. But if, if they now bargained and you paid, and they paid you peanuts, then it would hurt. It would really hurt. So build what you want to be paid. If the client's not willing, just just say no. If you can afford to say no, that's another thing. You know, in Nigeria, not a lot of people can afford to say no. If you can afford to say no, say no. Okay, um, a quick question. Profiling your clients, does it help with um, your billing them? Now, the reason why I ask this is we find out that some major companies in the country, they prefer giving their contracts. I don't know why, but... Sometimes they look at the cost. They don't want something cheap or subsidized. They want the premium. So the price actually 
is what uh, probably keeps them interested. I don't know how that works, but sometimes you find that, or oh, they actually give, uh, aside from some wanting to cut back on cost and everything, but we find out that sometimes the person with uh, the best presentation, the higher price and everything gets the job done. But probably somebody who has a, uh, a price that is not so bad, but has better um, capacity to deliver better products, doesn't get the job. I kind of profiling the bidders. So okay. does profiling- I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mix, it's a mix. So mm -hmm. in, some, in some cases, the client knows what they are asking for. They know the brief, they know the scope, and they've done a similar job. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. Come with it, 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 what you are presenting is good. But if you come with something cheaper, they'll be suspicious. Like, does this person really know what we are asking? What? Uh -huh. Yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you short. So in that, in that, okay, yeah. Yeah, because sorry. I know one of my colleagues' friend, he actually lost the job because the client said his, his price is too low and the client left. Yes, because the client is like, do you know what you are bidding for because they have experience in that situation the client has had experience doing that job before and they know what it should cost so mm -hmm. anybody that's saying something lower it's kind of it, it to them it feels like it's that they don't know what they are bidding for or they are they are going to be lower quality or something it's it has some clients like that so when another thing might be if so if they send you um if they send you a brief and you know someone inside, ask. And even mm. in another thing is even if the company sends you a brief, you don't just create a brief. Yeah. You ask, you ask for a, even if it's a briefing meeting, even if it's 10 minutes, ask them. Yes, you send me the brief. What can you just go over the brief? Is there anything in it? that I should be aware of or to take cognizance of. And then what, um, what's, your, what's your budget like? They, they won't give you an exact price. They, some people might not even give you a budget. They just tell you, oh, um, just give us what you think is reasonable. Mm -hmm. And then in that, even in that meeting, even they don't tell you the budget, they, by the time you are discussing with them what they want, the kind of things, you now ask them, okay, can you send me, um, like, if it's a creative project, can you send me, like, a mood board? Let me see what your mood board is like. When they send you a mood board, you know, at this will be cheaper, this will be expensive. Yeah. So you don't just, oh, they send me a brief. Oh, let me work on the brief. Call, find out. The brief you sent me, what's the idea behind it? What are you guys looking for? You have a mood board, so I can use that to flesh out the scope and send the very... By the time you ask questions, they answer you, you get a feel for, okay, these are the kind of clients that I'm, by the time it's an expensive client, they, by the time they start telling you and talking and saying this and mentioning this and referencing mm -hmm. this, you will get a feel of, oh, I can't charge this bullshit. I have to charge them the real thing. And then there's some clients where by the time they say this and they start saying, oh no, you know, I like what this would did for. I don't want mount that expensive no they will not laugh about it this line they want this guy but they want they want their price to be down to it so by the time you have that small meeting even if it's just a phone call 
you will get a feel for the client and then you tailor your brief so that it matches with the client. Because from a brief, you can't really tell what they are thinking. Yes, they yeah. tell you what they want, but then you can't really get a feel of, okay, this is what exactly they want. You can't get the tone of the message you're trying to get across. The message. Exactly. Mm. So you don't just, oh, they send me a brief, make a call, and we just sit and discuss this brief. Then from there, you get more information to be able to make your brief and they might be able to ask because they, by the time you call and ask questions, they'll be like, oh, he's very invested in this thing. He knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are even convincing them more that you are serious. Yeah. So in that case, he could have actually, what he could have actually done was just make a phone call, find out. By the time they talk to him for minutes, you kind of get vibes of the kind of client. Then you probably have sent an appropriate billing. And they won't have, they won't have, if, even if they, it was too high or maybe it wasn't quite right, they will have discussed and said, oh, but are you sure you added this? This is what we really want, you understand? And he has mm-hmm. learned now though, so <laughs> hopefully he has learned. Because I'm sure that hopefully. thing will have to pay for. Yes. <laughs> but I'm actually curious though, because how are you able to market yourself and um, withstand the pressure from friends and family frowning against the solopreneurship life? Because you know, the way it is in our part of the world people are saying go to school when you're done do your service then start nine to five it's like a pre-planned destiny already i don't know but i think you get off that um, line so how was it like for you well i think i had it easier my parents are entrepreneurs so they they the schools go to school was so you have a good starting point if you want to keep a job okay if you want to branch out Okay, so if you're branching out, have a plan. Don't just jump off. Oh, I just want to work for myself, and then you start. No plan. A plan and capital, <laughs> no right? Plan and capital. Yeah. So I, I think I had the ability, and my parents are entrepreneurs, so they already understood. Okay, if you want to set out by yourself, what's your plan? Where are you getting capital from? How are you start? It's not like they ask for. By the time they ask you a few things once or twice, you kind of get the vibe that, oh, okay, it's not like we're frowning upon you, but you need to know where you are going because if you are not working for someone, you need money and you need a constant flow of money. Yeah. So, in that, I transitioned from a full time job to, I didn't just start. So, mm. I transitioned when my uh, photo photography was paying, was basically more than my salary. So that's okay. when I transitioned. Been an interesting episode. Been an interesting uh, conversation. Wow, I actually picked a lot from this conversation, and I intend to use it in my own personal um, encounters. Thank you so so much, Tolu. No problem. Uh, Thank you for inviting yeah. me. Thank you for <laughs> having the time, taking the time out. Thank you for sparing time for us because we know you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have to reschedule like twice. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh wow. Uh, it's been amazing, and I really hope our listeners take uh, a few notes and you know actually put this to use because um, starting up a solopreneurship business in Nigeria, an entrepreneurship business in Nigeria as a young person, uh, it's it's quite challenging. I I can say that it's quite challenging. People just want to dive into it, you know, 
especially our Gen Z people, they don't want to, you know, as the struggle of nine to five. They don't want to. Mm-mm. They want the soft life, you know, make your own money. They take how you spend. Yeah. So I really think our listeners listen to this and take some notes and um, also key thing. Don't be too quick to spend your capital on Dorime. Wait, wait. Let's let's just hang that in the corner. Why did you begin Dorime when you are just starting out? Why? You Dorime yourself into peer pressure. Pressure that would uh, end up end up making you hungry. That's not you need to be wise. That is different. Exactly. Have you not have you not seen in clubs where uh, maybe some guy bought uh, some wine and like a millionaire and then they're doing the remit for him and this other guy on the other seat is vexing that ah, this small wine. Then he says, "Bring me three bottles." And then those guys <laughs> that were going there do not come and come and meet the other person. Like competition in, in the club, man. Ah, well. See, that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. It's not fun at the beginning. It's it's not fun. You just have to, if you are if you are if you are gonna be swayed by peer pressure, just stick to your nine to five. Don't exactly don't do that. Don't. No, that the end of the month swayed something because if your friends doing nine to five or doing other jobs are spending money and you are just having two clients and you spend the money without doing the job, who are they going to meet? Your friends or you? <laughs> <laughs> You can't be doing Jeremy as an entrepreneur if you have if you don't have if you have not established yourself. Exactly. Yeah, doing that, just have a ninety-five as a backup plan because <laughs> you get Jeremy yourself out of entrepreneurship. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also think that they Literally. should also have like um, a financial planner. I don't know. I think there are some apps for that stuff because sometimes you'd be like, okay, not, I have- no, not not you know you know yes planners. If you don't have self-discipline, planners will not help you. That's what I'm saying about the Dorime thing. Oh. If you even if you are saving in piggy vest and block the money and one friend comes <laughs> like, you still got to with the penalty. You will go yeah. and withdraw with that penalty and to go and do Dorime. So what's the point of the app? <laughs> yeah. If you don't have that self-discipline to not spend the money when you see it, you can't be an entrepreneur. Because after you've made your money, five, you see some people now like, Three five years. Oh, they're spending money and then don't see them after three years. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they remain themselves out of entrepreneurship. They maybe they, yeah. they run the business out. They maybe they they made some huge losses and they couldn't replace the equipment or something funny. And then they're now asking for a nine to five job. And they're like, okay, so <laughs> who did, who were you doing the remain for? They forgotten about <laughs> it. Every, they remain every weekend. <laughs> if you spend your money, they've forgotten about you after like one month. They don't. They don't. Yeah, but so, I think my point was that, you know, with financial planners, it, it tends to make you see the bigger picture. So let's take it like this. So maybe I'm working nine to five, and then definitely I, maybe I don't have time to cook at home. So I come to work, I buy food, like maybe 1,002 every day. I mean, for the whole day, it, it doesn't look that much for the first day, right? But at the end of 30 days, you realize that you spent like 36,000 and oh, you spend more than that, I'm sure, because yeah, some days definitely. you want extra meal and stuff. Uh-huh, you want to do shawarma, shawarma with two with two sausages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. So I think I think it still comes back to discipline, though. 
still comes yes, back to no, discipline. It, it still comes back. No matter how many planners, apps, and how many people talk to you, if you don't have that self-discipline, you can't, you, you just, you can't, yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of people's parents that they had entrepreneurs are friends when they were growing up. The entrepreneurs are, not all of them made it because some of them squandered their money. Some of them didn't last in business yeah. and then they just ended up somewhere else. So if you don't have, because you are your own boss, there's no boss that's going to give you money at the end of the month for showing up. Even if you hustle, 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 it doesn't mean you're going to get paid. So if you don't have, if you don't have the discipline to keep money, especially when there's a lot of money coming in, when there's, there's always going to be a low period, how are you going to survive? Every business has up and down. If just think about it, this way, every business has up and down. If everybody, if in one month you make five hundred k, the next month you make zero. So if you spent all that five hundred k in the first in that one month doing the remit, what are you going to do in the second month? When you you have just have to think about it like that. Every business has high and low. Keep your money so that when you have the low period, you are not struggling, you are not begging people. Oh, I need money for this, this, and then people start telling stories about because. You know, I have this. I can't. I can't help you. Maybe I'll give you five k. And what you asking for only fifty or something. So, just have that in mind. If you don't have that, they'll sell this thing to retain money. Stick to mm. your nine to five. Don't don't do don't do that to yourself. <laughs> just stick to your nine to five. Do you actually believe in um, being an expert before you go um, commercial? Because I had I had this friend since like March. Has been telling me, oh yeah, I have interest in this. I want to start designing and everything. And I'm like, guy, just start. Till today, this guy has started. And what I'm waiting for is telling me, oh, he's not yet an expert. He's still learning the stuff. Because in my I'm own case, in my, in my own case, I actually didn't know Jack about what I was doing, but I had a fair idea. And that client I, I, I signed on has been my biggest client even till now. So my own advice would be just start. Don't be scared. Be confident oh, because... Because clients can actually know your um, know that you are not confident from a mile away, yes, and they could run away. Yeah, if they yes. if or they can they could prey on you to, to make you do more work than what you are what they are paying you for. Exactly. Is that a thing? So is that they run away? They know that you might not be doing a good job, or they make you do more than what you're supposed to do. Like, yeah, that, that's why you should always whip yes. up a, a contract. Or an SLA, a service level agreement before you start any job. Yeah, no, not those even service. Let the client understand because you can send them a contract with service level agreement and they will just they will disregard it. <laughs> this is Nigeria. You have to let them understand this is what this is for. Yeah, you can't and even take them to court these days. Because book, booking a lawyer alone is actually a lot of money. So I'd rather just book it. Booking a lawyer that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's a signed agreement, right? It's a contract. Yes. And it's bound yes, by it's law. A contract. Yes, it's done by law. But the law, if if a client is a powerful client, who are you suing? Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I understand your point. <laughs> no, no, no. If 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 you have a client with a big construction company and you are and you have not covered yourself up to a good extent and they take advantage of you, who are you going to try? Okay. Maybe you have a, maybe a job with um, CAT, CAT. You have a small job, just a small job, with maybe a retainership with them, and you don't cover your business. And they make you do more work than you're supposed to do. And then you want them to pay more, and they tell you no. And they have a department of lawyers. Who are you suing? 
please. <laughs> As a solopreneur, just close your mind. So you, you have to discuss that contract with your client. Don't send it to them. Discuss it with them. If you can't just if they can't if they can't discuss it with you, just understand that they don't see you as somebody that you need to discuss it with. So behave as such. Like this client is just seeing me as a small person. Let me just cover all my business and not overstretch myself. So anything that's not in the contract, don't do it. Hmm. Just always reference the contract. If it's not there, don't do it. Because if you do it and they don't want to pay you, there's nothing you can do about it. If you're a service-based business, Depending on your level of exposure or branding or level of establishment, you're supposed to have an advance on any project, any project. Even if it's 30%, even if you say, okay, they don't want to pay more. Maybe it's a large figure. Even if it's 30%, they have to pay you a down payment. You can't do, don't do work for someone without them paying. The payment shows that they are serious. If they pay you, they're invested in that payment. If they don't pay you, it will just be doing you from now to 2025. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That's just a no-brainer. Always take an advance because if they don't like it, they can just not take your calls. And what do you want to do? Sit down in front of their office? <laughs> like, like <laughs> what do you want Sorry to do? Placard. <laughs> they will just come up to carry how much is my pool? Let me not see. Because you know how much this rent to hire a pool to carry somebody. So let's not go there. Black Maria. <laughs> they want that one for free. <laughs> let's not go there. Yeah, but, but speaking of contracts, eh, have you ever been in a situation whereby maybe there's this dream job you've actually been like thinking about since then? This client comes with this uh, job and then you overpromise a delivery and you actually see that okay i can't do this like what what do you do in this kind of situation i have not been in that situation before let me let me not even say i've not been because anytime anybody comes with work and is not something i'm good at i find someone that is good at and work with that person yeah that's, that's a good idea so that's a reasonable thing to do if if they've come with a, it's a dream job and maybe some aspects of the job i can do and then some aspects i don't have capacity for I partner with someone. This solo entrepreneurship mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're always solo. You can always build a team depending on the kind of yes. So if if you have a large project that covers maybe different projects, different aspects, you build a team of people maybe you know they are good at this and they complain at this, and then you just be the go-to between them and the clients, and you then you have to learn how to manage your team, and their team would you and the team would do the work. And then you send it and they pay you and you pay everybody else. Yeah. So it's not because I solopreneur doesn't mean you always work it. You should have a team or know people that can do certain jobs. When a big job comes and the dream job, you partner with them and you send, of course, you ask them, oh, the client wants to do this. How much should it cost? You they send the cost to you, you add your profits, you send it to the client. So by the time you send the entire bill and you get paid, your 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 partner, your collaborator gets paid, everybody's happy. And you've done the job. So collaboration is the thing. Yeah. And I asked the question earlier about how were you able to market yourself, especially starting out. Um marketing. 
Okay, so I don't think I'm very good at that, to be honest. I'm just, it's good. One, <laughs> let me start there. Then two, I, I started working with some architects who were already established. So okay. working with them, connected with other people, that's another thing of the whole referral thing. You do a good job and you have a rapport with clients. It's easy for them to refer you. So even if you are not well known, the referral is always is always like an extra level. If someone refers, you need someone to do the job done. And someone refers, oh, person has done it for me. It's a no-brainer. It's just okay, how much will it cost? So that's how I okay, referral from this, referral from this. Oh, you did this for this person. I saw it. I need to do this for me. That's that's basically how I built it. Referrals, referrals. And then other people see, even if not directly, other people see it. And then of course, posting your work online. That's very essential. Posting your work online, post, having a website, having a portfolio. Because some people will be like, oh, okay, I've seen this work. Does this person have, they will now Google because everybody uses Google. Okay, they, this person did this project, they get the person's, maybe something for the back, get me. And then they check on Instagram. Oh, the person on Instagram. Or the person have a website. Or the person have an online portfolio. And then from there, the person, oh, I saw you did this. Because there are some clients who don't, it's not a direct referral. They, maybe they know that person or they know that project. Or they know somebody that works in that project. Okay, you did this for this project. I want to come and do it on my project. So that's like an indirect referral. So that's how I built up network. I think we should even do a part two sometime, maybe next season or something. Yeah, maybe. We should go more in-depth into the episodes because there are like a lot of things to talk about and let people know. Yeah, I'm open to that. You're right. Whenever you're ready. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tolu. It's been an awesome conversation. And um, I hope we do this again probably next season. You know, invite you to give us in-depth insight into uh, various aspects of what you do. Thank you so, so much. Well, guys, kindly let us know in the comments if you want us to fast track the release of the next episode on this topic. Bye. Bye.